Nothing said on the hive mind is a recommendation to buy or sell securities or tokens. This podcast is strictly for informational purposes only, and any views expressed by anyone on the show are solely our own opinions, not financial advice. Hey everyone, my name is Jose Macedo and welcome to the Hive Mind Podcast. The goal of the podcast is to provide an inside look into what we like to call the Delphi Hive Mind, bringing together some of our brightest minds from each of the divisions to share insights, alpha, and shit posts. Today with us, we have Ceteris from our institutional research arm who focuses on infra and DeFi, Jan Lieberman, managing partner of Delphi Ventures, and Ventures Associate Duncan, also known as Flood Capital, prodigious shitcoin scavenger and investor. I lead Delphi Labs, our protocol R&D arm, focused on incubating and accelerating new Web3 primitives. It's been a hectic two weeks since our last episode where Duncan called the top on air. Uh, everyone has become ETF experts. So maybe we could start there talking about the, the flows or whatever. Who wants to, who wants to kick us off? explaining why why bad price <clears throat> well i think like I, I guess people just underestimated like this gbtc selling because um, there were like, little... i don't even know like what's the net flows from if you net out gbtc and uh so i mean even including like 80 million 800 million it's 824 net which includes a 4.4 outflow of gbtc yeah so like, i don't even know if the underperformance obviously gbtc played a big role in it but like it's just a lot of it was it's just like, yeah, yeah like you have 800 million outflows in in nine days is like negligible right mm -hmm. um, so I, I think it's more so traders right I, I, um doug had that post and just like breaking out you know the 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 basically the types of people that have exposure to GBTC and, and assessing, you know, who's neutral on a trade and, and who's naked on, on, a, on a trade. And basically it's the naked guys that would be the net sellers, whereas the neutral guys, when they unwind are selling here and, and buying somewhere else to, to close the other leg. And so, um, yeah, it's basically, you know, the underestimation of the amount of, of unwind of that naked position, but then it's also which, you know, part of that's driven by FTX, right? They had a decent amount. I think that was probably one of the bigger underestimations in terms of flows. And then the other thing is like how much of that is just flows back into big, uh, the ETFs themselves. So it's hard to assess if they're naked or neutral. And like, you know, you have a bunch of volume, but it's just like a lot of it could be people moving in from one product or out of one product into the other. And so it's not necessarily a, 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 an insane amount of net interest, which is probably like, the one interesting kind of uh, element here is like how much of this is net interest in the ETFs versus how much of it is unwinding of GBTC just going straight back into ETF. Well, I mean, it's at a minimum, it's at 820 inflow, right? Um, yeah. Or just like, <clears throat> you know, how all of the funds are like looking for people to seed them, like could just be Bitcoin spot selling moving in into these ETF products because they're searching for for kind of like more liquidity to, to seed the funds. Also, I think like a big reason for the underperformance, like obviously the flows are going to make a big impact over time, but just in the short term, like everyone was just kind of like trading and getting long up into the ETF. And then like once that event has passed, it's like, like anyone who was in like a trade 
is probably going to like start unwinding that because there's no like kind of clear catalyst to like hold to it's it's much less you know clear cut of a trade so yeah i mean if you have if you have the gbtc thing which might even be net mechanically it's like that's a good reason to to sell if you're like a trader in this instance anyways so Mm -hmm. yeah i wonder how much because i know there's uh the, the premium really compressed in um in I think it was over the summer. I don't remember, but like, I wonder if there's some element of, of you know, optimization for like long-term gains versus short-term and, and un, like unwinding that position. Like the discount until then. You mean, like came back? Right. Yeah. I, I haven't like tracked when it just as like proxy for when a lot of people kind of moved in and one yeah. volume really picked up. Well, like the ETF was first announced in June, if I recall correctly. And then the premium in august and yeah so the premium in june was 44 percent, and i think that's right around where the etf was launched and then it jumped quickly up to like the quarter no, 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 you, mean? you mean like when grayscale one yeah. yeah yeah sorry the discount was 44 percent in june and then it jumped up to like 20 percent by by the end of august so i think that that like a lot of people as soon as that etf was filed were just kind of piling into that trade it was also really bad on ethy but if you think about it at a 44 percent discount it's basically like 2x leverage bitcoin with no liquidation you're just paying like essentially a five percent like funding fee it's like two and a half percent of of the nav is the grayscale fee so that was a pretty attractive trade at the time i think it's interesting that like the ethy discount is getting wider again i think it's around the um the sentiment of an ethf going through where like initially everyone kind of assumed it was a shoe in and then you had big guy come out saying people on the inside were saying less likely and then you kind of sentiments went back and forth i think it's probably just like the market pricing the probability who said that someone on the inside said it was, gonna be, it was less likely ap uh that andrew account uh tweeted like a right. source that he he was referencing who had a seat at the table i think it was described that way but blackrock's like 350 to one right in terms of their ETF applications or something like that. Yeah, it's more a matter of, of when, not if, I think. And it and it okay. I think it's basically the assumption was it would it was like a shoe in for 2024. And now people are saying maybe it'll take a little longer. Uh is that it on ETFs? Is there is there, is there more stuff to say? I don't, I don't know anything about these think, flows. So I know we're we're talking about kind of um, you know, this and then comparing it to what happened with the Coinbase top. I think it's a little bit different. Right. In that, I think the market was also a lot hotter then. And you also, this is a, still a very long term benefit. Right. Part of the reason why stocks over time go up is because there's a constant bid via 401ks into these index funds. And so now you have a similar kind of dynamic with Bitcoin, uh, definitely to a smaller degree at first, but there's there's certainly potential there. And I think you know, that that's why it, it's certainly like a short term sell the news, or in hindsight, it was just based on kind of how much fuel piled in. But I, I think. It's not a one-off event, but but has longer-term implications that are definitely bullish. Yeah, yeah. I guess like on like why I was saying like it's just interesting. It's like Coinbase kind of marked the top in 2021, and then 2022, like the uh, the Bitcoin futures launch was also near the top. It's just like a lot of these events that are just like clearly telegraphed, and like people there's like a reflexivity to it where people are just like piling into the trade all up until the event, and then it's like there's almost like when it happens. Obviously, the Bitcoin spot ETF over time is going to attract a lot of flows, but like, there's not enough people to like continue the the momentum 
and it's kind of like most of the people in the trade there's only like one thing for them to do it's probably like sell so like yeah and i think um like eric uh the the guy who covers the etfs pretty closely was just saying that yes they'll have some like spot flows lined up in the beginning and like contacting like you know bigger bitcoin holders to help see the etfs but like the real flows are going to take like the real organic flows that are like net new money are going to take time to come in as like people get as these like financial advisors or funds or whatever is get more comfortable with with bitcoin or which product to choose and then kind of slowly slowly come in over time as like yeah. a bigger tail end yeah like advisors weren't sitting there with like their finger on the button waiting for like a dtf for all their clients day one, yeah right? like um I was listening to Matt Hogan on a TradFi podcast. He was the Bitwise ETF. And he was just, you know, it's like a long process. Like first the advisor might like buy a little for themselves, you know, then like some clients might ask about it. Right. And then maybe they'll start buying for clients and stuff like that. So hmm. it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely not like a negative long-term mm -hmm. thing. I guess like moving to the ETH ETF, um, since we kind of saw the reaction of the Bitcoin one and it seemed like a bit of a sell the news, like I think we're down around like 16%, maybe 17% from, from that, that Thursday when it launched. Um, do we think that, cause I think a lot of the prevailing narrative before the ETF was approved was like, okay, like ETH BTC is not performing very well. And then as soon as the Bitcoin ETF gets approved, like people are just going to start piling into ETH, like looking forward to, to the ETH ETF. But like given the reaction, of Bitcoin after the ETF, do you think that like changes, you know, like the market's um, like perception of ETH going into its ETF? How specifically? Like since Bitcoin because was selling the news, like, was, uh, do you think yeah. ETH gets? Yeah, well, ETH maybe it just maybe higher. just doesn't run up as hard as like BTC did, right? I think once you have some kind of, I think there's just like no realistic timeline. This one was telegraphed both in terms of certainty and timeline, right? So it just mm -hmm. became a very no-brainer pile-in, pile-out scenario. Whereas at the moment, you know, there is no uh, kind of time element where you need, you need to be acting quickly on the ETH side for the ETF specifically. Well, I mean, ETH will be May or it won't be this year. So there still is like a time. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice. <laughs> Not nice, but like... If, uh, if all the ETFs pass, but there's no ETH conversion, it'd probably be more bullish because I think yeah. ETH's got like, what, 8 billion? So it's not as big <clears> as GBTC was. GBTC was like 25 and now it's at 20 or so. Uh, but still, like that exact same playbook, if they keep the fee at 1.5%, is going to run back again with ETH, right? So, and that is a way that a lot of institutional investors, instead of buying like ETH spot to get exposure, they're probably just buying like ETH. Mm -hmm. and so, but also the dynamics on ETH were worse like the premium was way higher than GBTC and the discount was was also way lower so it might almost be like an exaggerated effect like if GBTC let's say unwinds like a third or something like ETH might be even more just because like those dynamics that cause people to to get stuck in the trade were actually like more severe yeah I remember when ETH launched and it was trading at like 11 to 12x the price of ETH. Yeah. That's so bad. What's the Solana one trading at? Because I remember when Sol went on. Oh, its yeah. Run, it was a crazy. On some silly, like 800% premium. That was on like negligible TVL, right? Yeah, but it was still. It was trading at like over 100 when Sol was in like the 20s. 
G Soul. So, yeah. But that's the ironic thing about like these ETFs and like having these products is that again, this whole GBTC unwind is just another thing that's happening because of like no ETF, it's just bad products getting forced onto the market. Yeah, the G Soul is literally holdings per share is thirty dollars worth of soul, and the market price for shares one hundred and thirty dollars per yeah. soul. Yeah, it's trading like a four X premium. That's insane. That honestly was could have been an interesting trade. Like if you're a bullish soul and like you just see how these things react when when stuff rips. Like just instead of buying the underlying soul, just buying the the G Soul for for the premium. What's the like the the nav on it? Uh, tw- yeah, twenty one million. It's not that much. Yeah, but... I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's nothing. It's still crazy. The premium, though. Someone who doesn't know better. I think people aren't going to do those grayscale trades anymore. So, I don't know if that premium is going to come down anytime. They learned their lesson. Yeah, I don't think uh, funds are looking to do that one again. Run that back. The, the other long-term bullish part about the, the ETF, other than the flows, is now it becomes just like more useful. Like I'm pretty sure you'd be able to margin it if it's like a liquid ETF versus before. I think there's like a lot of, you know, stuff you couldn't do with Grayscale since it was traded, uh, like GBTC since it was traded. <clears throat> so that could like open up um, kind of like just making Bitcoin as a more attractive asset to hold because before like you literally couldn't do anything with it or like you went to those like lending desks that all got crunched in in June of, of last year. So having it be marginable in like your brokerage account is actually, I think a pretty big benefit. Yeah, and I mean, there's already, they're gonna get options in like April or something, I think. So yeah, it'll also um, be the yeah. most liquid way to buy options over any like crypto option exchange, right? <laughs> Yeah. So, and like, there's already uh, I, I someone already applied for like covered call, ETF too. Right? Yeah, there's gonna be a bunch of products like that. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a hundred flavors of BTC ETFs before the ETH one comes, like a hundred Bitcoin strategy ETFs, and because that's what happens. It's some cheap calls. You just need a scenario where like Bitcoin's just going down or sideways, vols compressed a lot. <laughs> These ETFs are just selling calls. Well, yeah. Do you think that this is actually like it's a good point? Like with with options coming live, like do you think where like institutions can can trade volatility in size? Like, do you think this actually changes like the vol regime for Bitcoin moving forward? For sure. Yeah. If it's those probably... things pile in nav, yeah, I think it compresses. Yeah, it's probably all dampening over time. But like, I there's some interesting dynamics. Like in 2018, when Bitcoin was at like 3,000 and like all these miners were going bust, like on Darabit, like all these Bitcoin miners were just like selling calls um, to to like stay afloat at like 5,000, 6,000 type thing when Bitcoin was at 3,000, and they were making calls like so insanely cheap because they were just like trying to harvest extra yield. And then Bitcoin rocketed from like 3,000 to 14,000, and like you know four or five months so there's like some interesting dynamics that that since this asset can can move so quickly that you could probably get some scenarios where um like some more interesting scenarios like that but do you think that like the whole institutionalization of this asset class is something we're not like totally um like larry fink went on cnbc and said that crypto solves money laundering, right? And because he's highlighting, 
you know, how it's like all publicly traceable and all this stuff. But at the same time, um, this makes uh, like the privacy fight and, you know, moving away from purely public kind of like dystopian type blockchains, it makes it harder to fight this because now the institutions with big money um, are like pushing this fully public, fully transparent, fully open narrative, right? So it's like good and bad. It's good because you have someone like Larry Fink saying the exact opposite of the Elizabeth Warren type rhetoric that a lot of people hear and think, you know, the money laundering and, you know, terrorist groups, all this stuff. But I think it will make the privacy uh, side like a bit more challenging. I think a, a meaningful amount of privacy was probably a pipe dream. Yeah, but you still need, you have, you can't, no, you can't have businesses on chain without privacy. Like it no, doesn't. I mean, I mean like a, you can have some elements, but it's still like control privacy, right? For a business to some extent. I mean, like, you know, to the extent that yeah, like regulators will always, want. if a regulator right. ever wants to see like a business is, well, like obviously they have to show all that. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, privacy pools are an interesting concept that in theory, like they should be, they should work. But like the, the, the problem is there's never been any guidance on like what is acceptable um, for yeah. privacy and what's not. If you see a bit of a red wave in in the U.S., I think there's a better chance of it happening, right? They're they're anti CBDC, which which is good for privacy, and so a lot of that stuff. I think we'll see the extent to the to how far the privacy component can go. But yeah, I don't know if it's going to go that far. So bullish BTC, bullish ETH, bullish ETH BTC. What are you guys What are you guys thinking? I'm like pretty indifferent on ETH BTC. And to be honest, it's like a ratio that I don't really care about too much. I feel like it's over analyzed. I feel like it's just gonna oscillate like between It's good like, for trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think ETH will flip BTCK. So it's like, there's a limit to like what I think the ratio will go. So I don't really like think about it too much. Yeah, it's funny to see the opinion on, on ETH flipping BTC kind of go back and forth. There were periods where it was shoe in then now it's it's less of a thing yeah what would solana oh, price BTC very Saturday. closely <laughs> solana will never flip btc yeah i think i'm yeah sorry if you want to go no uh, yeah yeah i think like q1 i'm still a little bit like cautious um just because of some macro stuff i don't know if we, we want to get into that um but yeah, I'd say I'm still kind of cautious in Q1. ETH BTC, I don't have a strong take on. I do think Sol will probably outperform. So it'd be really nice to maybe I want to buy Sol if it comes down to like 60 or 70. I think it's at like 85 right now. That would be nice to, to get in. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm kind of cautious in Q1 for sure. You want to go into the macro stuff or like, how, yeah. Yeah, like we can saying? go into it a little bit, but there's probably better people to to listen to this on. But basically, uh, like the one event that's actually like coming up soon that could be interesting to look into. So they just uh, stopped the BTFP, which was that like emergency facility um, that was announced after SVB went under to kind of help the banks. So that is expiring, I think, on March 11th. They're not making any new loans. That's neck and to put some more pressure on the banking system that came out last night. And then there's uh, the U.S. is going to choose um, like how, how they're going to finance themselves for, for the next quarter coming up, um, I think, on January 30th. 
in November 1st, which is when like everything started ripping, like the stock market, Bitcoin, uh, like tech stocks, bonds, uh, was largely caused because like Yellen shifted the U.S.'s debt issuance like to the uh, short end of the curve, which was, you know, helpful for liquidity. So there's like a new decision on that coming up uh, on January 30th. So if she like shifts issuance back out to like the longer end of the curve, it, it could make you know longer term yields rise, which, you know, more pressure on banks could go into, um, you know, so, some pressure in Q1. And I think people are thinking that that's a possibility because you kind of create, you know, some disruption in Q1 where maybe the Fed stops QT or gives them cover to like kind of cut rates. And then Yellen can kind of like build up a bit more of a piggy bank going into the election and then just kind of like rip everything into the election to, to try and help uh, the Democrats out. So there's like better people to listen to on, but just some like high level points if you're interested. You Are they still giving that. out a ton of new loans under that program? Uh, I think they're going to stop giving loans on March 11th. Yeah, yeah, but like, have they even been giving out a ton still? Yeah, there's there's still been some some pretty significant growth, I think, in the past like few months. Because all the banks in the U.S. are like backwards in terms of their duration. Like, they made all these loans, these long term loans, when like rates were were near zero, and then like short term rates come up, and it's like, why would I hold my money in a checking account that's earning like 10 bips versus going and buying? a T-bill that earns 5%. So like you have like, you know, depositors wanting to leave and um, they can't really make money off, off of the spread because everything's inverse of what it was, you know, a few years ago when they like made out this whole loan book. Anyone want to comment on that or we go back to crypto? Maybe, maybe touch on the, on the Jupiter launch. Um, yeah. Ceteris, maybe you can take it. Well, I mean, I know Duncan has, Duncan kind of talked about this on the last episode of, you know, anytime you get one of these new token launches in the ecosystem, you're kind of just increasing the paper wealth by creating this new token. Um, but you're not necessarily like increasing the actual amount of capital in the ecosystem. So I think, uh, yeah, it'll be a pretty important. Like this Jupiter one is definitely the most hyped airdrop as far back as I can remember. Um, you, mm -hmm. There's also like a lot of, you know, a lot of funds have like, even still a lot of funds have like zero soul exposure, I think. Um, and so you got to think about like, um, I think Jupiter is going to have like 20% of their supply day one with 10% of the airdrop. And so, yeah, like what does it do? Obviously the meme coins have run like a ton. So like, what does this launch do to the meme coins? Uh, what does it do to like soul um yeah i think it'll be kind of interesting to like watch how this plays out because right now with salon it's basically their soul there's Jito, which is like <clears throat> the beta thing people are trading and then there's just a ton of meme coins right i also think jupiter is i've been reading the last couple of days they're going to try and do like you know if you hold jupe and you're in the dow all these launchpad things they're doing, like you get allocations and everything. So there's not going to be any uh, like revenue for this token for at least two years is what they've said, but I think they're going to try and like gamify it somewhat. So it kind of boils down to the, the, the flow stuff, right? If, if you have, I assume Jupe is a, probably more palatable for um, 
quote unquote institutional investor side. So if, if, if you know, they come in at that value, basically passing liquidity on to um, the meme coin guys that are getting airdrops, which are then going to pump it back into meme coins. And so, like, whereas like, I, I don't think the appetite is, is there to that extent for those guys to be buying meme coins, those guys being the institutions. And so if you have that flow committed, it can definitely be bullish. Um, and, and I think, yeah, part of the reason why the meme coins are pumping so much is because like there aren't a lot of other tokens. Same reason like Jito has been doing well. And, and you know, when you when you kind of price it on a like Jito market cap to Seoul market cap is, is much higher than kind of Lido market cap to ETH market cap. And I think part of that is just because there's not too many other alts for people to pile into in, the, in that ecosystem, which is also like, yeah, the reason why meme coins definitely do well along with like the fees in the UX. But yeah, it'll be interesting if like, you know, like Coinbase and Binance, um, and yeah, I say it like that. Um, have the uh, liquidity on. Have like the listings on like day one, because that's yeah, kind of like the main way how you actually get net new liquidity. I definitely think that that would be really helpful. Like if they have the listings, then there's a scenario where people are sending like their dupe to Binance and then selling to people on Binance, which like injects kind of like new cash into the, the Solana ecosystem. But if you just look at Seoul, like outside of the L1s, I think it has like $2 billion with the stables on it. Uh, Jupiter is trading at 50 cents on Avia, which isn't a super liquid market, but like it was trading at 70 cents when it first came out, like people were really anchoring to that price. Um, 70 cents would be a seven billion dollar FTV, like fifty cents is a five billion dollar FTV. What kind of volume is it doing right now? This like, is actually ridiculous volume. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's like I think it's number two. I think it's been number two a lot of days. I think it's done more than Uniswap some days too. Um, well, not Jupiter. Yeah. Sorry, no. More so, uh, the derivative that's trading Jupiter price. Like, is yeah. this price actually? I think it's signal? like six figures of volume a day. Okay, yeah. so that means absolutely nothing. I know, but no, it does because people are anchoring their perception to it. Like it's we'll very well. I think that obviously it's gonna bring up like if it's trading at a dollar on the pre-market, um, that's going to even if that's a ridiculous valuation, it like like anchors people's price like much higher. Like if it launches, I'm not which, doubting that for sure. I just think it is it, basically like the 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 difference is the degree to which people anchor it versus. Yeah, I think like I think on those markets, Gito was trading. I think it started trading at like twenty cents or something, and then it went. I think to those markets like a, will end up being like just like marketing spend for projects. Yeah, because <laughs> like then it went to because Gito was trading at like twenty cents. Then it went to like a dollar, and a lot of people were like, "Okay, this is an illiquid market. A dollar that's so high." And then, and then the first do. day it went to like four fifty or something when real money came in, right? So yeah, it's. They have, I think those pre-markets are kind of cool. They're doing this for a lot of these. They also have one like for dimension and stuff, right? Uh, but yeah, the volume is just so low. It's hard to take too much besides just like the mental price anchoring type thing. Yeah. No, I definitely agree that there's there's an element of that. Yeah. But it's just kind of, there's, you know, with, with each launch, I think it's less likely for it to, to drive to an outsized val unless like there's more money coming in than yeah unless like yeah. maybe those markets become more liquid over time but um we got 50 cents just for kind of like sake of talking it through it's five billion dollar fdv gonna launch with like a billion dollars worth of circulating supply which you know if people are like selling that that's a lot of 
you know, stable flows that that are required on on the margin to support that valuation. I feel like it probably just like kind of sucks the mayor out of the Solana ecosystem. If it launches lower, then you know it's less relevant, or if it launches in parity with like an L1. But I think a lot of people are looking at it and be like, okay, Jupiter's launching at five billion. Like this is going to reprice every single Dex on Solana, like every single coin on Solana, because like this is, um, you know, such such a big val. But I think in reality, if the market conditions are kind of as they are now, where it's kind of like chop or, or down, probably going to be like net a, a liquidity suck. Like even if yeah, you I mean, look at yeah, like yeah. Uh, Solana is like forty billion. To Jupiter at five billion versus like you know Uniswap. I don't know, maybe it's like it's five, five billion. Ten. Yeah, five billion versus either like six. Yeah. yeah, but it's four billion market cap, right? So you do have a lot more of a. It's a lot harder to support that and, and mm-hmm. move that price. Yeah, no, for sure. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm leaning that it'll probably be bearish. The eco plays, and also like we saw with Arbitrum, like. Like, like Jan and I, like, going in into the Harbortrum launch, we're, like, excited for, like, this GMX bid to come because they're, like, oh, my God, like, it's going to be, like, a billion dollars of new money in the ecosystem. But really what ended up happening was, like, GMX, like, sold off 20% as soon as Arbitrum launched because people were selling GMX to buy ARB, which was, like, kind of just demonstrated that it was just money within Arbitrum flowing around in a circle rather than, like, this new wealth coming in. Obviously, like Cedrus was saying, if it gets launched on an L1 and then you have like new money outside of the eco coming in, buying it from, you know, Solana ecosystem people, and then they re-inject that in, it could be good. But given there's only $2 billion worth of soul, uh, or sorry, $2 billion worth of stable coins on Solana, I think it, it could be more of a, a drain than... You probably need like, you probably need... Like what two two fifty of like new capital come in just to keep everything flat if Jupiter launches at like five bill play dilute because circulating would be like one something and then you have like the multiplier right um, to keep like paper wealth flat not like yeah yeah so probably, it's a I, decent amount of capital but I mean it's possible yeah it, that, that that really boils down to and I, I'm assuming they will get it like the centralized listing like it's it's very easy to get that much liquidity on across a couple of sexes. Has there been any good research on like that multiplier effect of like new money in the ecosystems, like how much that affects, you know, alt prices or kind of paper prices? They've tried to do it on Bitcoin way back when. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, money into Bitcoin and what the impact is on market cap. I forget, like it's it's really hard to do, but I forget yeah. what it was. It was like, there's a big range on it where to the point where it was, it was hard to really get too much signal from it. I think there's like even more depth studies just done on stuff like spy because uh, it still has similar dynamic those would probably be like the most accurate but that's like the most liquid product in the mm-hmm. world yeah that would i'd be interested just to understand like ballpark how much and i also think it depends on the market condition right because it's all about like marginal buyers and sellers if like the market's ripping there's like very few marginal sellers then like you kind of get a reflexive dynamic of like just even like more money coming in makes a bigger impact than it would if there there's more sellers. So it probably depends on like the, the regime of market you're in as well, but it would be interesting to kind of have a ballpark um, figure on that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, with like was, an well, AMM, well, you can actually do the exact math, right? And so then it just depends like how concentrated or not. Yeah. Like but making... like the second there's 
that's only in a vacuum, but without, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, just in a vacuum. Yeah, but what was what was uh, sold price when Gito launched? Just in, in terms of you know, I think it was in the, the market situations. I think it was moving from sixty, like it was during the move from like sixty to one twenty, like during that. Yeah, but it was like I'm pretty sure it was like sixty or seventy. It wasn't. Uh... Yeah, I think the, the probably the trend is more important than the price in that scenario. Yeah, it was like during that like next massive leg up, which I feel like is what let Gito get. Like when I was looking at Gito at like four and a half, what's it trading at now? Under two. Yeah, like when I was looking at it at four and a half, I was like, oh my god, (laughs) like four point five billion FEV is pretty heavy. It's like ten percent of Sol's market cap. It was like, yeah, this is gonna come down, but. Yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with the trend, Jan, as well. Like, if this, if Solana started going on another run and then Jupiter even launched at like 50 cents or higher, I think it would be completely different. Um, because that's just like the mindset of like, okay, people get an airdrop. It's like more paper wealth. It's like, okay, I'm just richer. Like, I'm buying more. Opposed to when things are going down, they get an airdrop. They like sell, sell, sell. Like, there's a lot of airdrops coming these days. So, it's yeah, when I talk about points, there's a lot of people going, uh, losing their minds on, uh, on Twitter about points. I don't really yeah, see, I feel like get the big deal. Yeah, the hate, the hate doesn't make any sense. I saw a good tweet today. It was just points or LTs for tokens. It's like pretty much what it. it is. You know, it's just, what do you mean you don't get it? Yeah. <laughs> points are like a token L2. Ish. I still don't, I still don't get it. They're yeah. basically, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a more scalable way to give people incentives because you just keep it on yeah. a centralized server yeah. before actually putting it on chain. Oh, okay. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the that's like, literally how I see it. If, if you're anti points, you're anti tokens. Basically, it's the same. Yeah. You know, like the it's just a, a more accurate and calculated way to distribute tokens. I think particularly what's good is you know with, with tokens you have a, a kind of a consistent drip, and and so you, you know you have the, there's the idea of uh, as you get them you want to sell them, and and so I think at, at that you potentially like take away the effectiveness of the token because it dampens the price because you know there's going to be this kind of consistent drip and you often can't be as accurate. Whereas with tokens, I mean, with points, you usually do them in waves, right? So you have like tokens, uh, first wave happens, token gets priced. Now you're doing wave of second points, but there's no not necessarily new issuance coming out for a while. And so the points are used as a carrot to incentivize behavior, but their value is, is one, it's somewhat real because you have a, a, a liquid proxy for for what you might get, and that the price holds up pretty well because you're not having this kind of constant drip. Of tokens. I think it's one of those. yeah, it's, it's it's like better for price, and I think you can be much more kind of calculated and effective with your um, with your like behavior incentivization. Yeah, it's probably better for protocols because I think like one of the biggest reasons, like just the transparency aspect of it, is huge to incentivize behavior versus. With airdrops, like I feel like a reason airdrops like farming is still can be still so profitable is because like people really don't give anything weight until like they hear it's coming and then it just gets like kind of uh, and like even then you don't know what the the criteria is so it's like the points is very clear it's like okay like you are earning progress towards an airdrop which probably incentivizes more users to and capital to come on and and use your platform versus people doing like all this work and not knowing what the criteria is to like you know potentially farm uh the airdrop so i think airdrop farming as like points becomes bigger is going to become like less lucrative just because there's going to be more eyes on 
the airdrop and then the protocol can also incentivize like very specific behavior but yeah it's like nothing crazy yeah it's, it's nothing like it's not accounting like, mechanism for the airdrop it's not dangerous or anything i i agree that getting rid of the trip is probably a net benefit to protocols so yeah and you can like delay it's... points like drip is very permanent and and there's so much sentiment around it anytime you change it whereas points you can you can you know if you especially if you do it in stages you can delay these further stages out and you have a lot more flexibility whereas you know with the token stuff it's once it's out it's really hard to adjust without some level of like unreasonable backlash agreed well we've been gone for a while do you guys want to talk about individual individual tokens have a, a bit of a shitcoin corner or uh what do you think give people some alpha in these in these dark times well no we call the top guys I don't know, one thing one thing it's not like token related but just a trend <clears throat> recently is like uh, both lira and avo or these like options perks l2s both switched um, their da from ethereum to celestia over the past week so i think this is like there's something pretty important to keep tracking um to see like how many protocols start to do this thing where they they stop like paying ethereum and go pay like a 20th or less of, you know, unwinding of the ETH alignment. Yeah. I mean, it's like this whole thing where you got the bridge and then you just post DA somewhere else. And yeah. Does that make Celestia's $15 billion valuation make sense now, Cedric? No, but I think people, I think, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think the DA being a commodity thing is, is pretty mid though, honestly. Uh, I, it's the it's it's the if if you believe in the roll up centric world, DA is the only like it's the only thing that roll ups really like all have to use, right? Like you you don't need a settlement layer, and settlement's not really like a, real anyway. You just need DA, and there are like network effects to to DA yeah, yeah. And, and data availability sampling and stuff, right? And there's brand effects. Like it's also the nowadays announcing that you're using celestia for da is like a branding opportunity right you announce it on twitter and and people get excited i don't know i think it's uh yeah basically you I mean, have I, to, I'm, not, I'm not defending yeah go ahead no it's like you need to believe that the benefits you get from like that availability sampling and like the bridging outweighs the cost reduction that you can maybe get somewhere else um, but i mean celestia is gonna like Every time Celestia kind of like hits its capacity, it's going to increase full node and like validated requirements, right? Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. Right now there's only Celestia DA, right? Like Eigen the DA isn't live yet. Uh, and there's a bunch more coming too. So it really depends. Uh, they're all gonna be like super cheap for a while because they're way oversupplied. Um, but Nobody, unless you're using ethel one, like nobody should be paying high fees for like anything now moving forward because there are just so many DA layers out there. Obviously, like there's gonna be some of these Ethereum rollups that just stay on Ethereum and like 4844 will help a bit. <clears throat> but yeah. <clears throat> what broader question, when do we think like um fundamentals will like how many years from now will like fundamentals start to like matter more there's still like even when you say this is real it's like, oh like we're gonna launch with 
Yeah, it's like is Tia's price is ripping, like, you know, that's like good PR and like maybe our price will go up. Like so much of the market is still almost completely dominated by narratives. I just like wonder how like when does that start to shift to like slightly more fundamental base? Because it's honestly like crazy. How yeah, I think it's it's you have like two things. one is um like generally in bear markets it matters more and then in bulls yeah. it's narrative. So I, I think you have that element that that it causes to kind of oscillate, but I think it'll gradually matter more when um, it's not like this TAM you're building for, but some of it's already here. And yeah, I mean, like there's more users than fundamentals will matter more. Yeah, like think about it this way, okay? Let's say in two, three years, Celestia has like hundred rollups. And I mean, I don't really agree with this thesis of like millions of rollups, but let's say you can have way more than a hundred in two, three years, but okay. Yeah. But let's say there's like more than a hundred. Okay. A lot of users and annualized it's doing like five, 10 mil of fee revenue and that's it. Right. In three years, <laughs> like, that's, like, that's, that's why people, <laughs> that's when people are going to start to be like, okay, this thing has a lot of users. It's very saturated. And this is the kind of revenue, right? So I think what, what recently is explaining a lot of this is first of all, modular money meme is like a good meme. People like people like getting all these airdrops. And there's also, you know, just because Celestia is only focused on DA right now, I don't really personally believe that that's what it'll be like forever. I do think that they will launch some like Celestia aligned, I guess you want to call, like roll up that uses Tia for everything. Um, they they kind of and- have that. Uh, but yeah, it was aspirin. I think there's right? also yeah. part of it's also like it, you know, it is antithetical to my bags, but I think it's a different world pre and post VC unlocks for some of this stuff too. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like there's going to have to be air that comes out of like, I think the big ones are like Arbitrum, Optimism, Celestia are like the three biggest ones with just like, you know, 10 billion plus in like unlocks to come, which is like a lot of, of money that's going to need to come in to, to support the valuations if they're going to continue to do well or even go up or continue to go up. So yeah, I'm saying the quiet part out loud. Luckily, no one watches this yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, literally, just like if you go to CoinGecko and then sort in the top 100 by like largest FTV and then just like look at some of these projects like they're circulating versus FTV. It's insane. Arbitrum's two billion. FTV is seventeen billion. T is two and a half billion. FTV is fifteen billion. Like Optimum, uh, Optimism's two and a half billion. FTV is twelve billion. Yeah, distribution yeah. of like the top one hundred and fifty, where you know you can have a market cap number, but mostly just as a percentage of circulating supply versus FTV is is, is I think going to be pretty telling. Yeah, yeah, but the FTVs are also very different. Like some some of these FTVs matter way more than others. That's yeah. Like some of them are in the treasury. Some of some are super heavy. So some of them, it's like everything is investors, right? They did like a bunch of rounds, like really early. Uh, Others, it's like there's a bunch of it sitting sitting in the treasury, and it's like a totally different thing. I think it's hard to. There's a lot of nuance to 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 FTV, and and you kind of need to make like an NPV of of FTV, and. You know, they all have different like unlock schedules. Um, to your point, sometimes like 50% is this community treasury thing, right? And yeah. that is like 
the majority of that will probably sit there forever. Okay. Like the Solana, I know the Solana foundation has a massive treasury and mostly what they're doing is just delegating it to validators. And there's going to come a point when like, they just have this massive treasury. It's like, do we do anything with it? Like, do we burn it? Um, which would, I don't think they would ever do that, but um, there's a lot of projects that kind of have this sort of thing. I remember when, I remember when like mango markets did their IDO a few years ago. And they sold 5% of supply uh, and then team had 5%. And then they just had 90% of it was just unissued tokens that would be like owned by the DAO. And so they had this massive FDV, but those tokens never got like used for anything um, because like the DAO would never just choose to like dilute themselves and issue a ton of tokens, right? And they even burned half of them at one point and nothing changed like the price didn't change at all when they burned like on paper like a billion dollars or something right so yeah there's definitely levels like the treasury is just basically there if you need it because like with stocks and stuff like you can issue new shares but like once you have you know if it's hard coded and you can't have more tokens then you kind of just like cut off your arm if there is like a opportunity that they needed a large treasure in the future but the market perception of it right now is just you know, people look at that and they kind of get scared. It just requires like a higher level of like diligence to get comfortable with like a massive FDV. And obviously, like they were saying, like, you know, from project to project, it's a very different split. So you need to go into it more. Yeah, there's probably some kind of metric you could use just like, you know, how much, yeah, how much sitting in treasury and then like some kind of cost basis, basically, of your, of, of the rest of it, you know? Like how many mm-hmm. rounds you did, or what? Like how much? How much everyone's up would be super useful to do. And like a lot of this stuff's public, yeah. so unrealized gains. Basically. Yeah, because yeah. some of them, yeah, some of them actually fundraise pretty, pretty well. Like they, they timed it in the bull. Others have been have been going for for way longer and have like way way higher like unrealized gains. But um, like let's let's do a shitcoin corner because I'm also going on the on the banter thing and I need some shitcoins to. <laughs> to talk about so let's let's do a shitcoin corner who wants to start meme coin that's just good for the uh for the next year is trump <laughs> it's just it'd be a good way to play trump beta um they got a trump good launch that, <laughs> it's, it's yeah he seems like a pretty good pretty good shoe in at this point obviously a lot can change but um, it's a shoe in you say not not financial advice, but this one is a, is a shoe in. Yeah, no, I mean, he's, 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 well, well, it's it's a couple things. It's 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 a combination, right? So like, the, he's he's most likely going to be the Republican candidate, and then somehow you know Biden wins. But but like that just means you don't know that part for a while, right? So I think you're going to get a lot of just bullish momentum on him for the coming months as he kind of goes through the Republican primary. And, and, you know, it just makes sense for there to be a meme coin here. And, and, and like, this is the one that's in the lead. They had a good, like the, the founders run this massive podcast. They have a bunch of followers. They airdropped him. What's now worth like seven figures worth of this, of this token so that you can absolutely see a world where if this is pumping, he's going to, there's a chance he randomly dump mentions it when, or dump <laughs> on us. Yeah. Full of selling. No, but uh, they bought a bunch of his NFTs. And then, like they're doing, dump on oh, the whole there's like a one percent. Uh, what do you call it? Yeah, there's a, a I actually 1%. think 
Trump is a higher, I think he's a higher likelihood. They donate a portion to veterans and then a portion to like child trafficking prevention. And they've already donated a meaningful amount there. So it's pretty, pretty good narrative. But yeah, there's always a chance that that Trump's. And then you have like the the 47 memes that that I'm sure will be anchors for price in the future. Or not anchors, but magnets. 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 One of anyway, my long time holdings is doing well. On. Sin is doing well. Is doing decently well from the bottom, not like overall. But they just launched this new RFQ bridging. It's kind of cool to to use. It's like basically like instant uh, bridging between chains for like less than ten thousand bucks, and they're gonna expand that later. But it's honestly a pretty good UX going from chain to chain. Yeah, everybody that's like how all bridging is going now. Yeah, that, that's yeah, it across has moved to that model. The bridge has moved to that model. It's like this intent based kind of thing and then you're not having like money locked in bridges you're just dealing with native assets uh this is something we actually wrote about in the m4 year head report so go ahead and check that but out but they didn't mention synapse because they did not like me <laughs> <laughs> another interesting one to look yeah. into uh on solana's lithinity that i bought some of that it's uh an interesting it's an interesting dex like Debtors can probably talk about it more, but basically they're just like an Oracle Dex on Solana that um, concentrates like their liquidity, which is all like protocol owned around like the Oracle pricing. And, you know, most of their pools have been profitable in terms of like their, their market making profits and then also just their general fees. So I think they do like between 10 to 15% of like all of uh, Solana Dex volume. And they're just kind of like optimizing for, for kind of the most revenue um it's an interesting play it's like pretty uh like un like unknown but uh something cool to, to check out yeah um i mean so yeah disclosure i do own affinity um, yeah i own i own affinity as well i've like been following this project for a long time like two years now maybe i believe yeah uh, trump too just to disclose this for him um yeah i think the the thing with affinity so they're very good on like capital efficiency because they have this oracle that like these the pit oracle right updates prices in real time and then they also kind of employ these market making type strategies where they try and actually trade momentum um but they are kind of just like fundamentally like capped at some point right because the oracle an oracle based model like this you always have to wait for centralized exchange liquidity to start like market making for it <clears throat> because you're you need the oracle right and you need like uh, so it'll, it'll never be the place of price discovery. But um, it could be like more dominant than it is right now, I think. Because basically like like Solana trading, 90% of that probably happens on, on central exchanges. So like they could grow to like an even bigger part of, of the sold decks. Yeah. I mean, it's what is like new tokens. What's the trading so, at? What's what's the value that looted? Um, so 55% of the tokens are in the treasury, I believe. Um, but answering it like it's like a hard token million. to like understand. It's like pretty electric. There's like all these different curve locking type things. Oh, yeah, right. they have like the lock and stuff. But I can send you something afterwards on it. What what's it trading at? Well, yeah, so the FDV with like sixty percent treasury, I think, is two hundred and fifty million. Okay. But then like um there's a lot of nuance in like the circulating because a bunch of it's locked up. Yeah, I think like the uh 
I mean, like they they had this this bonk pool that they started. Bonk sold what, like twenty k liquidity, and they started that at, like the bottom of bonk. And that pool that was market making bonk sold actually outperformed like the straight price increase of bonk, which is pretty insane what? when you think about that. How yeah, that that's nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What what kind of pool? What's the pool design? It uses it's an oracle. oracle, and it's and they it's do like, like Dodo. Isn't this what Dodo tried to do like back in the day? But it's just like yeah, but this works is on Solana because it's faster yeah or yeah yeah this model only but works still, with, like the, the push vertical yeah i know the the bonk pool was crazy <laughs> like it was actually insane that they like the only way you expect it like is if it does this for a while but like bonk just went up well because they also do like no but it uh, turns over a lot though like i remember the there's some of the pools on Lafinity they're they're turning over like 20 times like yeah they kind no, of the turnover so the, the fees probably were 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 pretty ridiculous it was the fees yeah. and then they yeah. they so they're like a very yeah, they're very transparent. They like break down and give you like like what's fees, what's market making profit, right? And like market making profit is kind of how they do like trend following and stuff and momentum uh, trading. And uh, so I think they had a lot of and like market making profit stays in the pools, whereas the fees get like distributed. Yeah. Um, so, so the bonk USDC pool has seventy two thousand dollars worth of liquidity in it. And in the past twenty four hours, it's done one point three million in volume. And they also have like they'll make multiple pools, right? Like so, they'll have Sol USDC, which has like three hundred k liquidity and does a lot of volume. And then they'll have one with like a mill liquidity, which actually does a lot less volume, but it's just able to handle like bigger trades, right? Yeah. But yeah, like there's been a couple. I mean, it's Oracle model, so there's been like a couple, like Oracle issues and where they like mispriced assets and stuff. Um, so there's definitely. Yeah, there's kind of like two ways to do this, like MEV, to have like an AMM not get um, just like ARP to death. And we've talked about this before, right? You either have an Oracle type model like this, or you have some sort of like top of block auction that, you know, you see in Cosmos and like some other protocols are trying to work on yep. Ethereum and stuff. Aori, right? No, like more like Sorella, um, where you have, yeah. Just like if you want to interact with a contract, which is like the pools, you need to have this auction at the start. Very similar to like what Skip does with their portfolio builder. All right. Um, I think with that, we'll we'll call it. Cheers, guys. This was a good one. Yeah, great episode. Enjoyed it. See you again in two weeks. All right. <clears throat> yeah. See ya.